All right, it is the uh, bi-monthly edition of Extra Basic <laughs> with Bristol and Booth, Jason Bristol, Jeremy Booth. Jeremy's been all over the place. Um, you were doing combines for the national New Balance Future Star Series. It depends uh, on the it depends on the day. We had our selection uh, rounds for the main event at Fenway Park. We had our, you know for the underclass elite and the fresh fifty and you know the different signature events we have going up with the players that have come through the system. Um, those were all in Lake Charles, Louisiana uh, this year. Uh, we had um, our national tournaments for Future Star Series, which. Um, you know, have, have continued to grow and, and, and evolve, um, you know, and Lake Charles has been a very good host uh, itself. You know, the Tourism Bureau's done a great job. Um, it's been it's been good to be around them. Um, but that's what we were doing for the month of July. Um, we also, I also broke off to my hometown of Los Angeles, California for the All-Star Game and the Futures Game and um, the best part. Best part of the All-Star Game for you was what? Best part of the All-Star game was that it was in my hometown of LA. That's what it was. I mean, I, I've been there, done that with the All-Star game, frankly. Uh, the home run derby was a little different uh, than I, you know, I haven't really watched one in a while. I got to tell you, I'm not a fan of this format. Need to go back to guys swinging it and making outs and let, you know, I mean, the Josh Hamilton days of moving the crowd and stepping, right? That That's, you, know, you can watch that now and you get emotional about it. You know what I mean? So, um, I'm not a fan of how they're doing the, the home run derby. Uh, the Futures game was good. I got to see Zach Veen and Ricky Tiedemann and, and some of our guys. I know a lot of guys weren't made available by their clubs for that. So that was different. But um, to be able to see Zach give me a big hug on the field, spend some time with, with the Tiedemann family was really cool um, to watch them as, they, as they've uh, continued to rise through. Um, yeah, you know, and, and, and I saw the MLB, you know, high school All-American thing, game. You know, I, I mean, I just, I saw that. And then I was able to spend some, some time with a lot of people in the industry who um, are, are very much in tune with what we're doing and um, has a good thing to say about the kids and, and, and what's going on as well as the staff. And it's gratifying. It was gratifying a little bit to be around the, the baseball community again. Um, Rajay Davis made a joke. He said, uh, I only see you at the big events. Said, hey, man, that's how me and Bristol roll, man. It's World Series, it's playoffs, it's, it's all-star game or nothing. We, that's it. God can't get us out of bed for more than that. You know, Rajay and Raul Labania is my guy. You know, they were there. Uh, Edgar Gonzalez, uh, uh, you know, Eric Davis. It was great to see E again. Um, it was good. It was really wash. I mean, it was great. Couldn't, couldn't ask for anything more. Um, you know, and I got to experience that with my dad. You know, and, and as somebody who grew up uh, literally down the street, like right down the road from Dodger Stadium, um, with in that baseball fraternity as, as one of the youngest, these guys were all – Kind of bringing me through as 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 you know uncles, if you will, um, to be able to to experience that moment with them in my home city. Uh, as much as I love Houston and and never plan to move move out of Houston, you know it's it, that's where I grew up and this home is still home. And um, it was good to be around that. And of course, you were also filing reports for KHOU Eleven News. KHOU Eleven News. You provided uh, Astros reports or reports on the. Uh, the two Astros players in the Futures game. And then you also gave us a, a, a quick synopsis of the Astros first round pick, Drew Gilbert. He is also a product of your program, but he was not the first guy to go from your program. How many did you end up with? It was in the thirties. We had, so we had five guys that have participated or been part of this, or as we call extended family, you know, we, and we keep in touch with all these guys and vice versa. Every, everybody is different, but as you can tell from some of the Twitter, Twitter interaction, 
right? Me and Drew kept in touch over the years periodically. Uh, Drew's his own guy. Man, he's outgoing. He's a lot of fun. You know, he's he's uh, he's actually made for this city and this organization and the way they the way they um, still draw some of the ire of fan bases around the country, even you know five six years later. But uh, Drew's made for that, and he uh, he seeing him become part of this, it was was pretty good. We had five guys in the first thirty nine picks, forty picks. Uh, ended up with three. Easily had nine. Will Frisch, who ended up getting drafted later. Had Tommy John, didn't pitch at all. Uh, he went about the fifth or sixth round, I believe. He could have been a first-round pick. You had Cole Phillips, who was a lock first-round pick till he blew his elbow out with Tommy John. Um, and you had Henry Bolte and Brock Jones, who, you know, Jones came into the year with, you know, early top five pick buzz and uh, got off to kind of a rough start swinging and missing. Henry did the same thing, and both those guys went in the second round. Um, but all four of those guys could also go in the first, right? And that would have given us nine guys in, in the first, you know, 35, 40 picks in the first-round selection phase. Um, either way, very happy. I even uncovered a couple more today. 34 now, I think that's what we're up to. Logan Wagner, sixth rounder. I want to say by the uh, Cubs, maybe. I, I running together. There's a catcher out of out of Puerto Rico, uh, No More Diaz. That was I want to say a 14th rounder by the Giants. You know, and so you start you know adding these things up, and you ended up with with a lot of guys now that we've been able to affect or put on platforms. Um, you know, and you know even found a kid. That went in the 19th round to the to and I count this, but I don't because we had him and we saw him. He was so far away. It was only basically a feedback deal. And then pandemic hit. We didn't really get back to Puerto Rico a lot. You know what I mean? So it was one of those things where kind of lost touch. But 19th round at a New Mexico military to the only team that has not drafted. By the way, they're not on the advisory board. They're not on the advisory board. The Detroit Tigers have not made a selection of somebody that's been part of our main event um, yet. And so that's the. Uh, that's the only club, and they actually drafted him. So if you count him, we're 30 for 30 at this point. Uh, but we ended up having 35 or 34 players um, you know, sign or, or select in this year's draft. You said Logan Wagner, right? Infielder? Yes. yes. Yeah. So Six round. Out of uh, South Carolina? He's, a, he's an Illinois kid, but he was going to one of those academies in South yeah. Carolina. Yeah, he was with the Dodgers. So Dodgers. The, uh, the Dodgers went over slot, obviously, to land him. So he uh, – yeah, so he was six rounds, so he's the Dodgers. It's interesting, though. I mean, the first thing, the first two picks, I think, were probably, I mean, not too much of a surprise, but at number three, Kumar Rocker going to the Rangers. And I texted you and I said, oh, my God, it must be an underslot deal. And you're like, no way. And then I said, well, oh, I guess you're right, because it's Boris. But in 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 a way, it obviously was underslot, but – it was better than he got last year. So it made a lot of sense on a number of different fronts because he got more than he turned down from the Mets last year. It was under slot so that the Rangers could then spend more later on uh, another prep pitcher, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Brock Porter was the guy they took in the fourth round, Texas did. Um, he was one of the few priority guys that held together as far as the right-handers. So you had Brandon Barrera, uh, out of Florida, who held together, I think he went 22nd or 23rd. Um, you know, yes, you had a couple other guys that, that held together and went up. But I mean, you saw the the scarcity, and I don't mean this to be offensive, but man, it's just what I do. The scarcity in arms, um, as far as the guys that people had track record on, 
um, in the draft because we had a guy at seven that really was a two-way position, two-way guy converted who turns into a, a has a really good month, and all of a sudden now he's a seventh pick in the country. And you have somebody else, the Rockies took out of Gonzaga that was a two-pitch guy that you know may may profile to be a starter, may end up as a reliever, but wasn't a guy we heard a whole lot about going into it. Um, that doesn't mean anything other than just what I said. The guys that we all have history on, they blew out. They didn't hold up, and so they pushed down the draft, and they took some other guys earlier. Um, Porter was going to be a tough sign. He had Boris. Matter of fact, Boris had most of these guys. But you know, uh, as far as the guys we just you just mentioned, Boris, you know, Porter's going to be a tough sign. Um, Rocker gets to win in, in a couple of ways. The first thing is he gets to go ahead of where the Mets took it. All right. He also gets to go to an organization where he's got, I don't want to say familiarity, but let's just face it. They've taken some of these type of guys recently. And, and somebody that was his rotation mate at Vanderbilt is very much their, you know, high top pitching prospect. And so, uh, you know, Rocker gets to step into a situation of familiarity. The Rangers feel like they're on the come college pitching is something they're going to need. They're not going to want to develop guys like Porter can go down there with Ian Moeller and Tommy Speck and some other guys that, um, you know, in, in low A and work his way up together. So you have a younger class of guys continue to rise through. Um, Tommy Speck is also one of our guys from out of Iowa, just like Ian Moeller was. Um, but, you know, it, when it comes to uh, to Rocker, that was a pick that changed the first round. And there's always a pick that changes the first round. And this year, you had three picks that in the first 10 that changed the first round, right? Um, some guys got pushed out. I mean, even the Astros, which I'm sure we'll get to later, signing a kid in the 11th round for over a million dollars. That doesn't really happen all that much anymore. It used to happen back in the day a little bit. didn't happen all that much anymore. So, um you know, it changes the complexion of all that. Kumar Rocker, you were right on the slot deal, Jason. That was a good call. Um, but for him, I think the mo most important thing was I get more than the Mets offer me and I go seven picks higher. Okay, I can take that. Yeah. And, of course, a lack of production pushed Cam Collier to the uh, 18th pick in the draft. And um, I say lack of production, lack of production, Um Cam Collier is now what many consider to be the steal of the draft. You have always maintained that he was one of the top 10 players, top five players in your mind. And now he is in a position, in a place that um, now it's time to prove it, right? He got paid like he was somewhere between eight and nine. Yep. Okay, right there. And I feel like we felt like um, from, from, on my side and from what his, his camp thought, as well as some of the stuff in the industry, I was able to find out after the draft because of that rocker pick. And then because of the guy at seven, which pushed uh, Brooks Lee to eight, who legitimately some people said might be the best hitter in the whole draft, regardless yep. and people I trust, not like people who haven't seen the guy, right. People who I trust have said that, um, you know, when, it, when it, if he's looking at you at eight, you're the Minnesota twins. Like you can't argue that. You can't argue their selection. You just can't. I mean, they felt that for middle infield, you know, they obviously are stack, stockpiling middle infield guys, um, you know, with Royce Lewis and, and, and the Correa, um, you know, Battlestar Galactica contract they've got. I mean, you know, when you start, you, you're putting these guys together and, the, and, and Sean Johnson and the Twins culture, um, being a former twin myself and still remaining very close with me and the guys that are, that are over there, um, you know, Sean is an excellent evaluator. And with their modeling and analytics, as well as the scouting matching up, which is how that works, right? Scouts match up this way. And then the analytics side matches up this way. And we got a winner, right? And so if, when you get excited is when they both say yes. When you have concerns when one says no, and you got to figure out who to carry. And in this particular situation, I'm comfortable saying they both said yes. And so 
Cam, instead of going at eight, he had to go down the board, but the number didn't change because that was his floor, right? Ironically, this is also where it gets fun for me in the industry. I can say this, and I'm so happy I can say this. The guy that drafted as a scouting director, Cameron Cogger, is one of my closest friends in the game. Um, we broke in together as area scouts. We used to run together when I was cross-checking and he was doing his thing. We used to take care of each other a little bit, make sure, you know, we, we have that kind of heads up going on. Um, you know, the families got to know each other a little bit. We've sat down and had dinner in I don't know how many states. Joe Katuska um, is the scouting director in Cincinnati. He was able to draft Cam Collier. And Joe sent me a text when he took him and he goes, program 15. And I was sit, I was standing, uh, I don't even know if I could say where I was standing, but I was standing in a place that um, with, with some of my peers and some people that are pretty prominent in the game, um, watching the draft. I was with Neil with New Balance and, and Bruce Schilling with New Balance. We were all standing in, um, you know, let's say an, an offsite VIP place, okay, in the, during the draft. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, we mean program 15. Like I was, I was missing a pick or two because I was focused on something else. I said, who took him? Cleveland, you know, because Scott Barnsby takes our guys. That's what he yep. does. You know, he drafts our guys. And I was like, and he goes, he basically I got quiet on me. And then I saw it was the Reds. And I said, Oh, it was you. And he goes, Yeah. And I said, Why didn't you tell me? He goes, Well, that's what I was saying. You weren't paying attention. All right, Joe. So um, you know, it's it's it, I think it's kind of it's kind of fun as well, Jason, for I think to point out, and you know this. Um, the, the people that, uh, that I talk to in the game, they either mentored me, they have, uh, you know, our families know each other somehow, um, or we've done it together, you know? And so like, when I'm talking to these guys, I don't, I can't reveal this stuff, but Joe took Cam, like I could say that now, and he took Kenya Huggins in the fourth round, 99 with a slider, oop, fourth round, let's go. You know, um, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting and fun to watch these guys have so much success with what they're doing. Um, and it's nice to be able to be a part of helping these, these kids get where they're going. It's interesting that you brought up the Astros 11th round pick here in Houston on July 28th, Ryan Clifford shows up at Minute Maid Park. He's in the clubhouse and naturally people are like, Oh, guess he's signing. He's foregoing a commitment to Vanderbilt. And it's interesting to me to read the scouting reports on Ryan Clifford and one of the comps that was thrown around for Ryan Clifford, this outfielder from North Carolina, was Seth Beer. Don't do it. Seth Beer with more Don't athleticism. Seth Beer with more athleticism. Now, I will say this. Seth Beer, not a lot of projection left, right? Because he was a college guy. Ryan Clifford, as a high schooler, younger player, can certainly – I'm sure the thinking is he can play in, play in the outfield. Like, that's what they're counting on. But whenever I think of Seth Beer, I go back to the 2018 draft, Jeremy. And if I have the clip of you after the Astros select Seth Beer, we're going to insert it here. This kid in Ayler almost went in the top 10, and I'm not going to get into where because it, it, he went 29 to Cleveland right behind the Astros, and that's a really good organization for him, Jay. That's a really good place for him to be. They develop well. They work hard. By the way, an analytical 
minded team. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I talked to Scott Barnsby after they took him and I sent him a message. He said, man, it's great to know you feel that way about him. We love this kid and can't wait to get him in. And they need to be very excited about Noah Naylor. But the Astros had a missed opportunity. You got a kid considered as far up the board as three that falls into your lap at 28 and you walk for what? The safe college kid with power? Nothing against Seth Beer because you can get him in the second round. You probably could have got him in the third round. There was a kid named Noah Naylor, who the Indians, excuse me, now Guardians selected with the very next pick. And for years, ever since that draft, I have gone back and forth, back and forth, comparing the two players, Noah Naylor, Bo Naylor, and Seth Beer. And the thing about Bo Naylor is the Guardians have rushed him, right? Like they have really been aggressive. Not, okay, not maybe not Russian, but they've been extremely aggressive. They have pushed him. And I looked today and I saw Bo Naylor's numbers. Bo Naylor is now at AAA, has to be one of the youngest players because he has been one of the youngest guys at nearly every single stop. And now Bo Naylor, this season, 280, 10 homers, 36 runs driven in, almost a one-to-one strikeout per walk ratio, in AAA in 23 games, he's got 12 extra base hits, and he plays a premium position, whereas Seth Beer right now in AAA, 249, 11 homers, 46 runs driven in, and he has not really been able to stick at the big league level, and I'm thinking, wow, you called that one. Now, granted, I know this book has not been written. We are not in the final chapter, Jeremy. We're probably around trap chapter three or four, but right now your your report on Bo Naylor compared to Seth Beer, it's playing out, man. It is playing out in real time. And I know, I know it's not, this hasn't been fully written, this book, but man, I was like, I I I texted you and I was like, Bo Naylor's numbers right now, fire. <laughs> well, you know, I I I until you said fire, you, I was a little bit distracted because I was basically, you know, playing with this ball I got here um, that I got from, from speaking at the Sabre convention, right? In 2018, you know, this old bitter scout, this Sabre spoke that Sabre. But anyway, I was, you know, I was, you lost me when you said uh, Seth Beer with athleticism because this ball has more athleticism than Seth Beer. Okay. Now, if you saw that clip, if you saw that clip and we in, inserted it, or injected it there. What you want to do is inject it into your veins. Okay. I said at the time, I think I, after what are we doing? Okay. What are we doing? We are taking, and I, it's hard for me to say this now because of who I compared him to, but a first baseman DH at 27 that had, and I, and, and I, and I struggle with this work. It makes me stutter. I start foaming at the mouth. I'm not sure what to do. Like I get chills and I don't know. I got to look up the dictionary. I need to find a thesaurus for what the heck we were doing saying that Seth Beer had historic production. You let a middle of the diamond defender with bat ceiling who had power, who could run, who could throw, who had all-star written on him that went right behind you. You let that guy walk away for historic production. Inject it all in your veins. Deal with it. Embrace it. Feel what Noah Naylor can do for you. Okay? I tried to tell you then. I tried to tell 
when I saw when I saw the people that took him, I saw him in Florida that year. I tried to say it then. I was like, what are we doing? Why is this guy not gone at six? Why is he not gone at 12? 20, what? He went where? And I told the kid too, I said, man, I'm not having this conversation with many people. Like you have, you're you me better than your brother. He missed 2020 at a, uh, because of COVID, like everybody else, like just missed the season, right? So he's got, he's got the alternate site with another one of our guys that Scott Barnsby likes to draft. His name is, and I don't know if you've heard this name anytime or another, let me, let me drop that on you too. Uh, so you can take it all the way in. Daniel, the rocket arm of Spino, okay? He's down there at the alternate site too, all in 2020. So Noah was drafted in 18, where the draft was really still the draft, by the way. Like in, the, in June, had a bunch of rounds. You could draft guy, right? We still had affiliates. We actually had an affiliate thing going on in minor league baseball. So Noah was drafted in 18, and then he played 19, and 20 sat down. So a year and a half later, spent the first half year in Arizona, he spent 19 in low A, maybe, low A. And then 20, he sat out. And then 21, he went back to low A and then to double A. And then went to double A. Went to double A right away. And now he's in triple A at 22. And he could be in the big leagues at 21. Instead, Seth Beer, no disrespect, my guy. No disrespect. But you know what? You're, that, doesn't, that doesn't compute. It doesn't compute. And if you're the Astros, for as much as you are struggling, and I mean struggling, like dredging along in mud, trying to find good catching. You couldn't take that guy? What? Help me understand, please. I'm waiting. Still waiting for explanation. It's only been four years. Been four years? He's big leagues. Big leagues. And it's ironic that the Astros picked up a catcher from Cleveland in the Miles Straw deal. Cleveland felt good enough to let that guy go because they had Bo Naylor. See ya. Bye. We got Bo Naylor. We're good. By the way, Let's guess go. who was take? Guess who was taken uh, three picks after Seth Beer? Um, Barry Bonds Jr. Who? Dane McClanahan. Um, it's not Noah Naylor. I'm oh, just saying, Shane, yeah. Shane McClanahan's an all-star, dude. All-star game starter. I'm aware. But for where the I'm Astros, just saying. You, I know. I okay. get it. He was the guy that Dusty Baker said, who? Okay. So I, I mean, I, I'm just, the Astros still don't know who he is. Four years later, they don't have him figured out. You know, they had no idea. They didn't know in 2018 and they didn't know in 2022. All right. We can just move right on. I get what you're saying. All-star, start, started the game, LA, lights are on. Houston Astros have no idea how to spell his first name, okay? But Noah Naylor, they knew, and they walked by. They just walked by. Fictionally, just walked by. Bye-bye. Josiah Gray, who many believe has a very high upside and ceiling, he was taken, now granted, small college guy, but he was taken uh, in that fourth round, I think. And then you also have, um, now the Astros will counter, hey, we hit with Jeremy Pena. Cal Raleigh was a third round pick in that draft. Um, and yeah, the Astros did hit with, with Jeremy Pena. Um, that's great. Very college draft. I remember we looked at Jeremy Pena at the time. We called it underwhelming. And as much as Jeremy has worked out, okay, so far, as I told, you know, the resident uh, Swami, if you will, like Chris Berman used to be looking the ball, right, Swami, the resident Daniel Godera Swami, who predicted, you know, the, the best baseball season, the history of all baseball seasons from Jeremy Pena. 
I said, give him a minute. I don't care if he hits 050 or 500. I don't care. Give him a minute. He's a guy here, right? All he has to do is do what he's supposed to do. A carrying tool is defense. If he performs offensively, great, right? So still, we look back at that draft, and I'm trying to think about with all this huge architect of what happened to all those really good Astros teams, even if you have to kind of part way give him Correa. Bobby was the director. Mike would have an influence. Just, 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 just give him, just let's do it. That was their first time presiding over a draft. Okay. So they at least share in Correa. That's fair. All right. They share in Correa. Who they take next? Was that Mark Appel? I believe it was Appel. Okay. Got to the big leagues. Good for him. We're going to call that a miss. Okay. And after that, they took, was it Bukowskis? Is that right? Is that it? Yeah. Whitley? Yeah. Whoops. I don't know. We've been down this road. We only have a minute left here, Jeremy. It's a rabbit hole. You're now looking at a decade of whiffs in that early in the first round. So. Josiah Gray, by the way, was second round in 18. So as we wrap up here, um, you will be on Sports Extra this coming Sunday as we talk trade deadline, what the Astros need, what they could part with, blah, blah, blah. And then on Tuesday, it's the trade deadline, and we'll have complete coverage on KHO 11 News for those in the Houston area. That's right. All right. So we have one minute to go. Uh, that's going to do it for another episode of Extra Bases with Bristol and Boot. We'll come at you hopefully in at least two weeks. If not, hang around a little longer and we'll post it. Take care, everybody. Bye.